You're listening to Thursday Mornings with Alex and Don. GMAD. Don is a pastor with 40 years experience. And Alex is just as curious as you are. We look at the most important and interesting questions about the Bible and Christian faith. So let's talk about it. Welcome, everyone, to a special edition of Thursday Mornings with Alex and Don. If you see the video, this is not Don. This is Josh Lundberg. Not Don. Welcome. He has been a pastor at Kelowna Mennonite Church for nine years, married for 16 years, and has four children, all daughters. All girls. All girls. A little different than me. I got two boys. So we had a lot of fun talking before about just, just little differences and all the joy and challenges that brings. So yeah, Don is uh, probably on his way back right now, just refreshed from a vacation, just eager to get back at it, eager. don't you think? Eager. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind of one of those people I feel like that are, all right, that was enough relaxing. Yep. He's mm-hmm. always ready to go. Yep. Get yep. stuff done. That's right. So same thing as we always do, questions, a lot of these come from Hillcrest and a few of them online and one from a Bible study. So ready? I love it. Let's All do right. it. <laughs> the, the first question says, how do we make sure we don't become like the Pharisees and scribes? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And and, and when you look in scripture, Jesus encounter with with individuals. Jesus was really harsh with one group mm-hmm. of people, and it was, I, I don't want to say Pharisees and scribes, it was rather, it, it tended to be within that group, but, but right. it was with the self-righteous. Yes. And so I think that's the warning for, for us all. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, I think as I have grown in my faith, I think when I was younger, my tendency, I think our tendency for all of us as Christians is when we read scriptures and we read about Pharisees and scribes, we immediately think that's them and not us. It's not me. That is not me. And really, when we read scripture, we probably should start with where does this reveal itself in my life? Yeah. And so the the warning with Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes was certainly Mm self-righteousness. And so... I think for for all of us in in wanting to guard ourselves from the warnings of Jesus, it begins with humility, which is maybe perhaps one of the most underrated attributes of Jesus. I think it's something that is a challenge for us all. Timothy Keller Love said, Tim Keller. Yep. Yeah, he said the the hellish petri dish that all sins grow out of is the sin of pride. Oh, yeah. And so we all, no matter who we are, whatever stage of life we're in, we all struggle with pride. Oh, yeah. And so we need to identify it and really fight against it and try to grow in humility. And it's a hard thing to do, especially when I was younger. I Pride was very much a part of my my character and who I was. And I remember one time going and talking to my youth pastor about pride. And it's amazing how oblivious and unaware I was to it. And so it's really something that constantly, you have to constantly grow in how you think and identify and be able to see it in your life. And one of my favorite quotes in college, it stuck with me since then, was the human mind is an infinite resource of self-justification. Oh, yeah. And so in my life, I'm always hiding and justifying and excusing my pride. And Maturity in Christ, the way that we guard ourselves from growing into that mindset of the Pharisees is to be able to 
be open and vulnerable, not only mm-hmm. to God, but to others. Oh, yeah. And to grow into that humility. And it's a really hard thing to do. Oh, yeah. That's how we guard ourselves from, from growing into the, the self-righteous. Oh, yeah. First step is just like identifying it. And I, I remember just one day just asking, and it wasn't even that long ago. I just said, you know, just give me the wisdom to see it. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm starting to see it, seeing my anger uptick. And I go, there it is yeah. right there. And now not every time. Cause then, you know, boy, that ego and that selfishness creeps right in and it says, yeah, but they did this, Deceptive. they did that. You, you should be able to, but then again, Hey, Oh, there it is again. And just learning to identify it and come away with it, knowing that, oh, first of all, it humbles, right? Yeah. So once that has worked and you're more mature from that, it, it's always a journey, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get perfect at it or do you? Are you perfect? <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, it's always a struggle for everyone and every Darn. stage of life. And it yeah. always comes in different, different, different ways, yep. different attitudes, different <laughs> words. Mm-hmm. I will say as you, as you grow in maturity and identifying it, I think you begin to identify it sooner. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. And, and for me, I think it's really important for me in my struggle with it to create a rhythm yeah. that it gives me the opportunity to take time to intentionally identify it in my life, yeah. to, to, to actively look for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I won't, another question about that, you know, you know, he did say, you know, don't, don't look to the Pharisees and, or, you know, he said, still listen to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But don't be like them. Yeah. So they were saying the right things. They just weren't doing it they're hypocrites, right? Yeah. And, and he points them out in Matthew. So we also have like Nicodemus would be one who encounters Jesus and he, he's really curious about mm-hmm. him and he is genuinely wanting to obey and follow God. And so we encounter Nicodemus and his struggle was he saw Jesus as God being with with him, yeah. but not him. So he, his struggle was seeing that he was actually the son of God himself. And as Nicodemus encounters that and as the spirit of God reveals it to him, he, he has changed. Paul, I think Paul was sincere in, in wanting to obey God. Yeah. Specifically, Jesus, when he lists the Pharisees and their sins and, and not to be like them, it was an inauthentic faith yeah. of doing things for the appreciation or the eyesight of human beings instead of God himself. So mm-hmm. warning about prayer, like pray in your closet and be faithful right. in your pride instead of praying before men, like using your words before men. And it's small attitudes within us in whatever we do, parenting, giving, doing, serving. It's a heart attitude that is sneaky and it's, yeah. it's easy to start doing things for the appreciation of other human beings rather yeah. than God himself. Yeah. It's a constant warning. Though. Oh yeah. I agree. It's just one of those things that you see Jesus really trying to convict them or yeah. trying to just, you got to change. This is a big deal. Right. And uh, like everything's changing. Yeah. Like this is all changing. And boy, I bet at that time that was probably pretty powerful. A lot of conviction in the hearts and a lot of confusion and a lot of just like mind-blowing. 
and a, and a change in mindset. The very thing that they were pursuing that yeah. they thought was righteousness mm-hmm. was I change my works. I change what I do with my yeah. hands. I change what I do. And, and it's this ultimate commitment and sacrifice in every area of your life. And you think you're doing it for God and Jesus Christ steps in and says, man, your, your attitudes, your work, it all looks really good, but your hearts are far from me. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, his greatest commandment was love God. Let yeah. your heart, let your affections be rooted in God himself. Right. Love everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty incredible. It's a tricky time right now with that whole self-righteousness to be able to, we know with the churches splitting up. I wasn't intending to spend this much time on this topic, but I thought this was a good avenue. But with churches splitting for one ideology over another, that everyone's, you know, constantly looking at doctrine and saying, you know, this is what we believe, setting hard lines in the ground. It's hard for me not to look at those actions and say, isn't that, aren't we miss? are we missing the point? Are we dropping the ball there? Or, or is that a worthwhile pursuit currently? Yeah. Doctrine is important. I, I'm different a little okay. bit. I just read an article that was really, really good that spoke about how the Western church, the church in the United States, the church was built on denominations mm-hmm. saying, come to our church because we are different in this area and we are better, right? They're not faithful. There's a, there a joke told about a guy who was saved off an island and saved after two years and they, they rescue him and he, they're pulling him off and he actually had two churches set up and they're like, you know, what, what, is, what is that? And he's like, oh, that's a church I go to every Sunday. I sing in there and I worship God in there. And he said, well, why do you have a second church? And he said, oh, that's the church you don't go to, yeah. right? So- <laughs> there is this mindset within churches and believers of the self-righteousness that we have to fight against. And I think that we have to remember what people need is not more Josh Lundberg, it's mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And what people need is not necessarily my church, but they need Jesus Christ. Yeah. And to really, as churches, as bodies of Christ to work with other believers in the greater kingdom and being careful with our words and our actions and not only that, but to feed into things that we do collectively together that fight against Mm self-righteousness and superiority of churches. Yeah. Yeah. I I have a hard time like disagreeing with a lot of the whole, hold on. Well, that that was about a huge lie probably. Not that I have a problem disagreeing, but I don't have any problem talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's so, man. If you're if you're forming your opinion online of what someone thinks about you, you become victimized yourself and defensive. But if you go out and actually talk to them, it's the the grace of Jesus will change both of your perspectives if you can both respect each other and let let him guide that conversation. For sure. Okay. And the goal of all of it. Always for, for the church, Ephesians, it's told us that the goal, the purpose of the church is that every believer grows in the fullness or completeness of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we can identify that beyond just our church walls, mm-hmm. the greater kingdom and before it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Next question. Yeah, let's do it. All right. What does it mean for wisdom to be pure? And this comes from James chapter three. It's in verse 17. This one came from my Sunday school, and we kind of racked our brains on this one. Yeah, and, that's, uh, that's a good question. James 3, 
17. 17. So certainly pure wood, like first, first impression, I'm, pure would be undefiled. Okay. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. This, this caught my attention because it's almost an equation. And whenever, whenever there's something that's almost an equation or is, I like it, but then I don't know what the pure part the pure part means. is, yeah. And it goes on, it says, impartial and sincere. Mm-hmm. Harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace, which is really interesting. So wisdom is actually attached to being a peacemaker, to righteousness, to what we were just talking about, uh, authentic faith, that which mm-hmm. is true, good works, revealing the spirit of God, that which is peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, incredible, and also pure, undefiled. So my first response to it, I I think sometimes we separate Jesus Christ was the perfect unison of grace and truth. Mm. And I think for believers, I think in my own life, I think I found we do one thing really well. And we have a tendency to swing that way. So we either represent truth and teach truth really well, or we tend to extend grace really well. Yeah. And Jesus was the perfect unison of both. And here it says this wisdom, you think of wisdom as in like intellect, like doctrine, I know better. And yet here it connects it with character, gentleness, peace, mercy, sincerity or being authentic, which is incredible. I think that word pure would carry the idea of making sure that it is wholly undivided, wholly free from what we just talked about, self-righteousness or pride. And, And here it lists character or traits to make sure that it is undivided and pure. Yeah, that's a that really makes good sense. question. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, we, we I was I was struggling with that because it's I've always thought wisdom is just like well it's it's different from intelligence because intelligence is just kind of the regurgitation of data. You know the data. This is my own thing. How I'm making sense of it, and then the wisdom is knowing what to do with that. Yeah, to apply that's, it right to life. But there's a lot of there's a lot of things that can uh, affect how you think that wisdom or that intelligence or data should be applied in order to make it wisdom. And so that's why, okay, so then pure is the things that come from these attributes. Yeah, and how we apply it. I mean, even how we apply it. I know, like in my life, there was a a point in which I was just truly convicted. And I don't think that I ever would say it, but I certainly lived it and lived into it. And that is, if I was right in what I was saying, then it almost excused how I said it or excused my attitude or how I presented it or how I, how I reacted or responded to someone else. And I think that is wisdom that is tainted. It is divided because it's not, it's, it's truth being applied, but I'm doing it in a platform or in a way that's not revealing Jesus. And, and I think that's where the wisdom comes in. It's like you take you take doctrine and truth and you apply it to your life, but you apply it in a way that is true and authentic, mm-hmm. truly reveals Jesus in every aspect of it. Yeah. From words to attitudes to motives to thoughts, everything. Mm-hmm. Package. 
it almost like ties into the Pharisees. I, yeah, I think uh, that popular phrase, you know, like facts don't care about your feelings. It's like in some aspects, sure. But yeah, if you can't reach somebody, if you can't have relationships because yeah. you care nothing for feelings, then. And one of the attributes that was mentioned was gentle. Gentleness. We talked about humility. Jesus, one of the beautiful pictures is that him is a shepherd. He is gentle and lowly. Mm. And yeah, it's an attribute that when we receive it, we greatly appreciate it. Oh, yeah. But sometimes we almost ideologize, 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 I don't, ideologize. <laughs> <laughs> but we look, we, we paint this picture of one who is really strong right. and they hold the truth and they they run over people and they, they, they're so faithful in holding to the truth. It doesn't matter how they do it. Right. And it's not the image that we get from Jesus. No, nope, nope, it's not. Okay, that's good. <clears throat> Next question. And this is a two-part, <clears throat> pardon me. Will autistic people or people with disabilities go to heaven? And the second part of it, is their sin the same as ours? Yeah. So autism... There is a spectrum on autism and, and really much of autism is simply how they read or experience outward stimuli. So yeah. autistic people, I, I don't, I think you kind of have to separate from disabilities. Yeah. I, I think that there's a lot of people who have different degrees of autism and really they just, it's almost personality. It's almost function. How they how they operate in life, yeah, and so certainly they are intellectually on par with being able to understand and filter things and and respond. More severe cases, obviously, the the their stimuli is so strong that it creates challenges in in how they respond. But intellect would would certainly be unhindered. Mm-hmm. But those with disabilities, it's interesting. I I did a camp. I traveled for the school when I was okay. in college and seminary and we represented the school at various camps and one of the camps i went to was a a camp designed for those with disabilities and they could come and the really fascinating thing with that camp was just a encounter of so many different individuals and a really appreciation for them and how they operated it was such a great week and it was so long at the same time yeah. like everything took a long time to do i remember during that camp there was some money that was left in the office and somebody took it and they announced it in the chapel time and they were all there. And that group of people who, who were with friends, they identified with that group of people. They, that was their people. And when that was presented, they were outraged that one of them would do something like that. And you could see their, like how much it upset them. You could yeah. see how they responded to it. And so I believe even, even within disabilities, they have this beautiful ability. In fact, it much, it's much more simplified than, than perhaps those yeah. without of, of what is right and wrong and how to operate. Christ himself talked about the message of the gospel having to be received like a child of this simplistic faith, a simple just trust and belief. And they actually have been freed from many of the challenges or hurdles or obstacles 
that other of us are faced with. Their faith is much more simplified and yeah. strong. And so I would, I would, I would say that the requirement always is faith in Christ. The uh, belief that Jesus died, was buried, rose again for our sins. The more extreme disabilities and brain function. Many believe in an age of accountability. I, I believe in an age of accountability. Sure. There's not a lot of scriptural proof for it. There's a, there's a couple of verses in Isaiah that speak about it. Isaiah 7, maybe, about they grow to a point where they realize the difference between good and evil. Right. Their choices of good yeah. and evil. So that would speak to age of an accountability yeah. before God. Yeah. I think my my belief in the age of accountability has more to do with my recognition of who God is and how he operates more than anything else. Scripture just is very quiet on that and certainly doesn't give an age probably well, doesn't it wisdom kind, of it. Yeah, doesn't it kind of like so you know it tells us to be obedient to our parents. Yeah. Right? To honor them. Yeah. But it never says why. True. But I think that kind of that's one of those parts in the word where it's it's there's that step of logic that we can take and we can get to that logical conclusion, which is, you know, there's there is a if you have the capacity to follow to sin consciously, accountably. Yep. That's what it's got to be. Right. Is right. That, OK. So I, I would. Yeah, I would say I would I would make the argument the same argument for disabilities is that of a age of accountability yeah. of an intellectual awareness to be able to function in a way that is able to associate with with writing. Okay. That's good. I like that. I like that this next question is is the next one. So is being delusional a sin? <laughs> so I believe whether or not we we know something is wrong if we do it we are held accountable. I think trying to articulate whether something or not is a sin in light of that is probably exercise that isn't necessarily like the benefit of it. I, yeah. I don't know. So I read an article okay. on a woman who grew up and on the, on the West coast. And it was, she started in California when she was in elementary, her mom one day picked her up from school. Everything was packed and they moved North. And she said, I'm sorry, we have to leave. They, they, she, they, they left her husband, her dad, they had everything with them. And as they moved. The same thing happened years later, and they had to move again. And that time, she gave her more information and said, your dad was involved in the mafia. We're in witness protection. Things have been found out. We had to move. So when she was in college, the same thing happened. And she said, I'm not doing this again. Like at some point in time, they, they, they were in Canada at that time. And as she began to research it and figure things out, she realized her mom was delusional, like she had imagined all these things. So one, one thing in my mind is if I operated in a way that was in light of something that I believed and it was faithful in trying to protect my children, like hard to fault me in that. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to fault her mother in that. And yet it carries these consequences. So I have a really hard time saying whether or not something done while you were delusional is a sin. I, I would I would say before God, whether or not we recognize something as right or wrong, it's sinful before his eyes. Yeah. But I think that that's where 
grace and mercy. Yeah. Are extended. Uh-huh. Yeah, I see the delusional thing is like there are things that you can do in your life that would contribute to you becoming delusional. I think that's a true statement. I the rest of the statement would be like maybe you drank too much and now you're or too many of this kind of drug and now that has altered your brain in a way for you that you are now delusional. Like those other things may have been sin, but I don't know if it was a consequence of, of right. choices that you made. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean that would be a really fine line. Certainly sin there there's a way to we willfully sin and then there's consequences to our willful sin. And then there's sometimes there's consequences to other people's sin in our life. Yeah. And and so yeah, if 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 your mind is ruined because of certain choices you made, it certainly would carry responsibility. And I think that sometimes our minds don't don't work properly and right. that's has nothing to do with us. It yeah. has something to do with our brain or our yeah. body. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I like that. Very last question. Okay. We're doing right. good. No. How do you get ready for Jesus's return? And that's another really good question. Mm -hmm. So, well, first of all, when's he coming? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, That'd be nice to know. That would be nice to know, mm -hmm. which is one of those things that we read within scripture. We know that he's coming again and, and we don't know when. And, for me, I think that's a really important question that we always ask is, what does this mean? If he's coming again, how does this change me and how I operate and how I yeah. live this life? There's a man from my church who was diagnosed with cancer and very bleak diagnosis. And from that moment to the time he died, he, everything he did was in light of the fact that he was going to die. Yeah. And so the way he responded to others, spoke to others, things he chose to do, he intentionally made choices to prepare for his death. Yeah. And I think that's how we have to view Christ coming again is how would I live differently if he was coming again? And, and the answer I think would be this things that we want to, we want to be, yeah. we don't want to be caught up in things or possessions or trying to gain them. We want to be super intentional with our relationships. We want to mm -hmm. make sure that we convey our love and appreciation for those who are around us. For those who don't believe, we certainly want to make sure that they know and have heard the message of the gospel, Jesus Christ, his, his salvation, his redemption, the hope that is in them. I think all of those things would be true. And one of the things that Ted certainly did was he also took steps not only for himself, but for others in, in what he, he was doing. And I think that would lead us to do the same. What's, what's the legacy or influence I'm leaving behind? And we obviously would like to influence people in a way that leads them mm -hmm. towards following Jesus, knowing him yeah. and revealing him well. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that quite a bit. I think I, f I feel like maybe you asked this one to Don once. And I said, you know, when is he coming? And he yeah. said, soon. <laughs> I said, that how soon? That was a soon? good answer on Don. That was a yeah, good answer on uh, Because that's always been his answer. He's like, we were, I'm like, you don't get to know, but it is soon. Mm. And actually the Bible says that. It does. So it's interesting. And I went to the the men's breakfast this morning there in Kelowna at the Gingrich, Gingrich household. And the speaker today was talking about, you know, the diagnosis he had for cancer and how that's impacting his life yeah and putting everything then into perspective 
in the things. It's like, who are you? It's like, you're not, you know, we are driven for something. You know, a lot of men will wrap themselves up with work or other things, but like the most important things are your relationships, you know, your family and creating that, I don't know, legacy, the thing I would like, just like the legacy of whoever comes after me and my bloodline to love Jesus, to know Jesus, to love him. And uh, that's a good way to prepare, I think, especially, but every day we don't really think about it. Like, yeah, we'll deal with that sin a little bit later, maybe. And Fix that at another time. And it speaks to our weakness in humanity, the, the, yeah. the beauty of Jesus' grace in our life. Yeah. We all, that's, I, I think for, for every Christian, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. And we want to live that way. Oh, yeah. And yet there's just choices that constantly creep into our mind and, and the way that we live that begin to invest in things here. Yeah. In possessions. In yeah. things. Yeah. So. Always a good reminder. What was what was his answer? What, how did it change him? Did he say? Oh yeah, it put everything into perspective. You know, after going through all the emotions, he saw that, you know, the 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 time he had with his family, yeah. just the little conversations that usually he would have with a child or something, where he'd be looking at his watch or just putting in the time. You know, just being dad, just being there, getting it over with. You know, to seeing that oh, that's that's actually who I am. Not only that, but that's who I want to be. I don't just want to be the provider. I want to be the dad. The, the, and you know, just even these little things that might not, that I just want to get over with are so special and life-giving and full of purpose. And yeah, I mean, as a, as a parent, you know, just have those like crazy things in the back of your head or back of your mind where like you're just thinking of the worst case scenarios or something like that or focusing on, you know, getting the taxes done or something or who I want to be viewed as that ego thing. But really, it's about being there, not just putting in the time, actually being present and, and having that relationship. And I, I feel like sometimes that's what we fall short when we do our relationship with with Christ, too. It's just yeah going to church. Yeah, singing the songs and not actually developing that relationship. And probably true for us in all of our relationships, magnified more with our wife and children, mm. magnified with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. But always wanting to be present and intentional. And I think I think if we lived in light of Christ coming, that would that would be right there. Right there. Love God, love your neighbors yourself. Mm-hmm. All the right things, and we're all going to fall short. We're all going to fall short. Yeah. That's why we need His grace. Which makes His grace so beautiful. That's right. Will you do us the pleasure of praying us out? Yeah, right. absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you you are so good to us. Thank you for just the conversation today. Thank you for all the reminders. Lord, may we truly live in light of you coming again. Help us to have a faith that's authentic. We have such a tendency to, to do things in, in perception, like how we are perceived by others. Lord, may we embrace your heartbeat for others. Teach us what it means to love you with all our mind and soul and might. Teach us what it means to love our neighbor as ourself. Give us an eyesight for others that that you have, a love for others that, that you have. Lord, may we be committed to you and your word and your truth. May we live that out. But may we live it out in, in light of the, James, the, the wisdom spoken about in James that's authentic and always revealing your gentleness and your peace and the rest that's found in you, uh, that which is true and, and righteous and good. Lord, help us to reveal you well 
wherever you take us. Thank you for, for being here and the opportunity to, to speak about your word. You are truly so good to us. Let us be good to others. We pray all this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, again, to everyone, thanks for joining us. Josh, thanks for filling it. You do a marvelous job, <laughs> as always. And we will see all of you guys next week. Take care. Bye. Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode. We are both having a ton of fun makes videos and episodes. And if you're having fun too, please tell a friend about this and help us to grow this mission. Thank you and God bless.